the guarded passion for the word of God as you find it in Ezekiel 33 verse 11. There we read the word of God as follows. As I live, said the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways. For why will ye die, O house of Israel? This, beloved, is the gospel. The gospel in all its blessedness for you and for me. For it is the gospel to the wicked and wicked we are. All of us without exception. Apart from the grace of God. You must not make up your mind that in this text the Lord picks out or selects Especially wicked people. So that you probably sit here in the church of Jesus Christ and say to yourselves, that is a nice word for him or for her. This is a gospel to you all without exception. For you and I, we all belong to these wicked whom the text mentions. We're all wicked before God. Yet, beloved, uh, the text does not bring a gospel to all wicked. It's not a promise of God to all men. As the Synod of 1924 of Kalamazoo asserted, they quoted this text in the Acts of 1924 in support of the doctrine of common grace. Same text. 
It's a part of the false doctrine that there is a gracious offer of salvation to all that hear the gospel. And that God is gracious to all that hear the gospel. That, of course, is not the case. Also, this gospel, beloved, is not a gospel for all. The gospel is always for the elect. Though others may hear outwardly. And that this is true is evident from my text itself. The Lord has delight in the life of the wicked. In as far as the wicked turn from his evil way and live. The text is the gospel to the wicked that turn, that turn from the evil way. The promise of life to you and to me, that by the grace of God turn from the wicked way. Besides, this gospel is rich. Extremely rich. No end to it. For it is the gospel of forgiveness and of life. That's the gospel, beloved. I preach to you the gospel of God. The gospel of life. And the gospel of forgiveness. That is sweet, that is rich, that should comfort your heart. And finally, this gospel is not only rich, but it is so absolutely sure. Absolutely sure, beloved. You never have to despair of the mercy of God. As our baptism form has it. If you fall into sin, you do not have to despair of God's mercy. For the mercy of God is sure. Absolutely sure. Because it is confirmed with an oath. And the Lord says to you and to me this morning, As I live, said the Lord, As I live, I have no death, no delight in the death of the wicked. But into this, that he turn and live. The context of my text is very rich, beloved. You do not have to go any further back than verse 10. There you have the real context. There you hear the people of God complain. And they say, if our transgression and our sins be upon us, 
and we pine away in them. How then should we live? That's a great question. Did you never ask that question, beloved? Did you never ask that question? If our sins be upon us, our transgressions be upon us, in the light of the righteousness of God, is it not absolutely impossible uh, that we shall live? Isn't that absolutely impossible, beloved? It is. It is. It's impossible. But what is impossible with men is possible with God. And that's the gospel. If our transgressions be upon us and we pine away in them, how should we then live? You ask that question? Listen. Say unto them, and I must say that unto you this morning, and say it unto myself, say unto them, as I live, saith the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but therein have I delight that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye, you hear? Do you hear? Doesn't make any difference that I say that, beloved. You will never hear. Not when I say it. But do you hear? Do you hear? Not me. But God say unto your heart, Turn ye, turn ye, why should you die? That's my text. And I'm going to explain a little of that text. As I speak to you on God's delight in the life of the wicked. God's delight in the life of the wicked. Delight in whom? In the wicked. Yes, but in what wicked? Delight how revealed. How is that wonder that God can have delight in the light of the wicked revealed? How do we know? And of what? Is that delight of God a basis in whom are revealed a basis for what? I do not have to repeat, beloved, that the wicked here are certainly not all the wicked. Uh, that is very evident from the text and from the whole context. Uh, wicked, uh, very uh, distinctly wicked in the uh, prophecy of Ezekiel. Uh, the wicked in Ezekiel are very uh, concretely described, beloved, very distinctly described. 
Uh, they are those that uh, stand in enmity against God and that hate uh, one another. That's the wicked in the prophecy of Ezekiel. And that enmity against God and that hatred against one another is revealed on the one hand in idolatry in the service of strange gods and on the other hand in sin against the neighbor against the brother in uh, corruption of all kinds in uh, adultery in thievery in lying in slander and all those things that I've mentioned in the prophecy of Ezekiel. You read this chapter and you read also chapter 18. You will find that that is indeed the case. The wicked in the prophecy of Ezekiel are very concretely pictured. In our confessions, that is the same thing, beloved. Uh, what are wicked men? Uh, wicked men are those that hate God and the neighbor according to the catechism. Wicked men, according to the catechism, sinful men, natural men, are those that are incapable of doing any good and inclined to all wickedness. They are in darkness in the uh, canons of Dordrecht, chapter 4 and 5, they are also very concretely described, beloved. We read there in Article 3, first of all in Article 2, a man after the fall begat children of a, in his own likeness, a corrupt stock produced a corrupt offspring. Hence, all the posterity of Adam, Christ only accepted, have derived corruption from their original parents not by imitation, but by the propagation of a vicious nature. Therefore all men are conceived in sin and by nature children of wrath, incapable of saving good, prone to evil, dead in sin, and in bondage thereto. And without the, the regenerating grace of the Holy Spirit, they are neither able nor willing to return to God, to reform the depravity of their nature, not to dispose themselves to reformation. And again, in first, the first article of the same chapter, 3 and 4 of the Canons of Dordrecht, abusing the freedom of his own will, he forfeited these excellent gifts and on the contrary, entailed on himself blindness of mind, horrible darkness, vanity, and perverseness of judgment, 
became wicked, rebellious, and obdurate in heart and will and at pure in all his affections. That is we, beloved. That is we. Just exactly that. We are just like that. Nothing else. That's the wicked. That is the wicked meant, meant in the words of my text and in the, in the prophecy of Ezekiel. And if we would hear the gospel which I am called to preach to you this morning, you must certainly by the grace of God commence by saying in your heart, that's right. That is I. Otherwise you will never do it. Otherwise you can never hear the gospel. That's I. So am I. Apart from the grace of God. But that my text does not address all the wicked beloved is evident in the first place from the fact uh, that the church is addressed. The church. Not the heathen. Not all men. But the church. The house of Israel is addressed here. The house of Israel. Why would you die, O house of Israel? That first of all. And therefore, the text does not mean all men in general in the first place. Secondly, uh, that that is so is also evident from the fact that according to scripture, God does not love all the wicked. And that he has indeed delight in the death of the wicked too. That too. We say here, we read here, I have no delight, I have no delight in the death of the wicked. That's true, beloved, but remember that God has indeed delight in the death of the wicked, according to Scripture. Just read the psalm, read Psalm 5. God loveth the righteous, but the wicked, his soul hateth, he hates the wicked, stands to reason. Read uh, Psalm uh, 73. God casts the wicked down into destruction. He hates the wicked. You cannot simply say God loves the wicked. He hates the wicked. Read Psalm 92, beloved. The wicked Grow as the grass, and all the workers of iniquity do flourish. In order, that is God's thought with the wicked, that's God's thought with the wicked, 
The wicked grow as the grass. So God thinks, so God designs, so God plans. The wicked grow as the grass. And all the workers of iniquity do flourish in order, in order that they may be destroyed forever. God leads the wicked to hell. He does. That's scripture, that's the word of God. If you ask, how do the people of God ever get to heaven? The answer is, by the grace of God. If you ask, how did the wicked ever get to hell? The answer is, because God leads them there. Don't forget that. Both are true. Both are true. It isn't so, beloved, that the that the people of God go to heaven and God leads them to heaven and that the wicked somehow or other are led to uh, plunge into hell accidentally or that the devil leads them there. Oh no, God does everything. God is sovereign. Thou leadest them down into destruction. That's God's plan. Besides, it is very evident from Scripture that when you read God has no delight in the death of the wicked, the reprobate wicked are certain and not included. There's election, yes. There's election in the text. You can never preach the gospel without election. It's impossible. I can't, you can't, you can't. The scripture. There's election, but there's also reprobation. Jacob have I loved from before the foundation of the world. Eternally, eternally I've loved Jacob. God's love is eternal. God's love to his people is as old as he is. That's your comfort. If that isn't so, you cannot have comfort. That's your comfort. That God loved you. And that God had you with him from before the foundation of the world, that you comfort. That's the gospel. His church is as old as God is, eternal. The love of God to his church is as old as he is, eternal. There is no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus. That's eternal. But God hated Esau. That's eternal too. Eternal. 
that hatred of Esau is as old as God is too, just as old as God is, sovereignly. We must have God, we must have God, otherwise we lose everything. Otherwise they have nothing, otherwise they have nothing left. And therefore, beloved, it's very evident. Read, for instance, Malachi 2, 2 to 4, or 1, 2 to 4. What that hatred of Esau meant. Or read all the scriptures, if you will. So it is very evident that you cannot, you cannot possibly, in the light of the context which speaks to the house of Israel, to the church, which speaks to you, not to the world, not to all the wicked, but to you, O house of Israel. And in the light of the whole of Scripture, which tells us that God has no delight in the life of the wicked, but it sends them to hell. And in the light of the rest of Scripture, which tells us that God certainly loves the righteous, loves his own, loves his own even as wicked. Yes, he does. That's, a, that's the gospel, beloved. That's the gospel. He loved us while we uh, were yet sinners. That's the gospel. While we were yet sinners, we loved us. But that doesn't mean all men. In the light of all this, beloved, it is very evident that a special kind of wicked I've mentioned here, I've meant here, and that special kind of wicked is defined from the viewpoint of the fact that they are the ones that turn. They turn. Oh, my text does not say I love the elect. No, it doesn't. Like I meant, of course. You cannot simply preach on this text without preaching on the rest of Scripture. Then you get a minute, I'm sure. Can't do that. Men do that. Nevertheless, my text does not say, I have delight in the wicked elect. Oh no. I have delight in the life of the wicked elect, that's true, that's true, but that's not the meaning, that's not the uh, word of the text, then you would have nothing, beloved. Then exactly you would have nothing. But my text says that God is delight in the wicked that turns. Don't you see? Oh, that's also God. That's God, beloved. The wicked that turns is also God. Don't don't worry about that. Uh, we must ask, first of all, what does it mean to turn? And secondly, who are they that turn? That's very essential for the text. I have no delight in the life and uh, the death of the wicked, but therein have I delight that the wicked turn. God has delight, as Kelvin has it on the same text, God has delight in the life 
of the of the wicked in the same sense that he has the light in his turning. That's true. What does it mean to turn? And how do we turn? Uh, the Hebrew has only one word for conversion. That one word means literally to turn. To turn. To turn around. Just as I turn around on this pulpit. Facing the east and facing the west. So a man turns. He turns, however, beloved, turning is not a physical act. It is not an outward act. It is principally and first of all a spiritual act. That is, it is a turning of the heart. It is a turning of the mind and it is a turning of the will. It is a turning inwardly, first of all, spiritually. A turning from uh, sin to righteousness. That's turning. A turning from the devil to God. That's turning. A radical turn. It's not a sort of a reformation, beloved. Oh no. It's not a turning from, say, chewing tobacco uh, never to chew tobacco again. It's not a turning from uh, uh, drinking whiskey and becoming a drunkard and being sober. Uh, that has absolutely nothing to do with this turning. Nothing. That is reformation. That is moral improvement. Anybody can do that. The church must not have such a gospel, beloved. Don't you see? The church must never have a moral lesson. The church must never have a gospel that says to them, you must do this and do that and do that and do that and not do this and not do that and not do that. That is the law, just not the gospel. That's a moral lesson. The world can do that too. And does it? That's not the gospel. You must say to turn does not mean to turn from this or that sin so that I gradually become a little better. No, to turn means to turn from all sin.
regularly. Test them. To turn means, beloved, that I so turn about from the devil to God. Uh, that I do not have a single sin anymore in my right hand to hide it. Oh, I'll come back, I'll come back to that, don't worry. You know, may not, you may not be discouraged, but that, that, that is turning, radically turning from all sin. Still more. The second place, to turn, is a turning from all sin to all righteousness because sin is sin against God. And righteousness is the love of God. That's conversion. That's turning. Turn ye. Turn ye. That's conversion. To turn, beloved, is such a radical change of mind. A change of mind. Uh, that I see sin in an altogether different light than before. And that I see righteousness in an altogether different light than before. Before, oh, before I didn't even see sin. Before conversion, we don't even see sin, right? We probably see some sin. You probably see some, see some effects of sin. We see probably, uh, probably that it isn't good for us to drink too much and that it isn't good for us to commit too much adultery. Even the world can see that, don't you see? The world can see too that it is wrong, that it is harmful for the world to sin. And so they see sin as harmful for themselves and therefore they try to keep away from it as much as possible that's common grace that's not common grace but that's what I would call uh, civil righteousness anyway but that uh, that's uh, what the Christian Reformed Church calls common grace nothing to do with grace but beloved when our mind is changed, we see sin in an altogether different light. We see sin in the light of God. In the light of God's will. In the light of God's holiness. In the light of God's righteousness. We say, I don't care. I don't care whether sin has evil effect on me. I see sin as a shame before God. That is called repentance, beloved. That is repentance. And, in the second place, the turning is change of the will of the will 
so that instead of delighting in sin, I delight in righteousness from within. So that instead of desiring sin, I hate it. I hate it. As it is expressed in Romans 6, beloved. What shall we say then? Shall we abide in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. God forbid. That's impossible. Don't have to think of that. Christian never talks that way. Christian never says, now I can sin, I'm elect anyway. That's nonsense, beloved. That's nonsense. That's absolutely nonsense. That's impossible. No! God forbid! How shall we that are dead to sin? Sin is not dead. Oh no, sin is not dead. But we are dead to sin. How shall we that are dead to sin live in a longer better? In other words, conversion is such an act of the will, change of the will, that our will is turned from love of sin to love of righteousness. Turn ye, turn ye, that's all included in this, in this, beloved. The wicked turn from his evil way. And then, of course, in the third place, that turning reveals itself in a walk of righteousness. That stands to read. You don't have to talk about turning, about turning into righteousness, unless you, first of all, Know that the turning is principally a a thing of the heart and of the mind and of the will. But secondly, uh, that turning is of course revealed in working our own salvation with fear and trembling. And uh, according to the baptism form in this, that we love the Lord our God with all our heart and mind and soul and strength. Crucify our old nature and walk in a new and holy life. That's conversion. Uh, beloved, who are, who are they that are so converted? Who are they? You? You? You are not. You turn yourself? You don't. You don't. You can you can hear this word when it comes to you probably. Uh, turn ye, turn ye. When I speak it, you can hear it. You can understand me, all right. That doesn't need the grace of God. You can understand me. You can understand these words. But you'll never do it. You'll never do it. You will not turn. You cannot turn. You don't care to turn. You love the darkness rather than the light. That's all. Period. Period. There's no other side to this, beloved. No other side to it. Oh no. Oh no. 
But when the grace of God enters into your heart sovereignly, unerringly, unconditionally, the grace of God enters into your heart and changes you, then you are converted. That's also the canon of Dodrath. And that same beautiful chapter, listen, but that others who are called by the gospel obey the call and are converted. Ten, that's article ten, chapter three and four, is not to be ascribed to the proper exercise of free will whereby one distinguishes himself above others, equally furnished with grace sufficient for faith and conversion, as the proud heresy of Pelagius maintains. But it must be wholly ascribed to God, who, as he has chosen his own from eternity in Christ, Only the elect are converted. That's our confession. Only the elect are converted. Nobody else. As he has chosen his own from eternity in Christ, so he confers upon them faith and repentance. God, God bestows upon you you don't ask for it you can ask for it you can pray for it you can pray you cannot pray before God even does anything to you nothing God bestows upon you repentance God does that God bestows upon you Conversion. That's this confession, brother. As he has chosen his own from eternity in Christ, so he converts upon them faith and repentance. Rescues them from the power of darkness and translates them into the kingdom of his own Son that they may show forth the praises of him who hath called them out of darkness. It is now light. Let's go. You to see my text? Let's shall we read it once more, beloved? God has, as I live, said the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. That means I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but in the wicked that turn from their evil ways. How do they turn? Because of God's working conversion in their hearts. And as, as a fruit of that conversion, they turn from their sin and evil way and walk in the way everlasting. That's the gospel. How? 
is that possible, beloved? How is it even possible? How is that revealed? How can God do a thing like that? Can God, can God have delight in the wicked? Can God have delight in the life of the wicked? Is that possible at all? Is that possible in any sense of the word? Oh, say that uh, there's a wicked man that walks in sin and iniquity, say for 30 years, or 35 or 40 years, and after walking, say that were possible, say that were possible, after walking in sin and iniquity 30, 35 or 40 years, he says to God, Oh, I'm so sorry! I'm so sorry! I'm sorry that I ever sinned against thee! Suppose that were possible. Suppose the man could do that. Suppose. Could God say that alright? I give you life? Because you're sorry? Could God say that, beloved? Is that, is that the gospel? You know better. You know better. A man is not saved because he's sorry for his sin. Say that were possible. Say it were possible that a man, when he sinned for 35 or 40 years, is sorry and then walks forever in the way of righteousness. Say that were possible. Is that man saved because of that? You know better. That's not true. You are not saved because you are sorry. You do not live because you repent. That's impossible. God is righteous. God is holy. God can have no delight in sin. And even though a man lives righteously, say that were possible, ever after his 30th or 40th year, his sin, his sin that he committed, must be punished. Don't you see? Must be punished. God cannot excuse sin. Even for one single sin, no matter how small, God must cast us into hell, beloved. That's very plain from the history of paradise, isn't it? Many people say, that is, many wicked people say, oh, that Adam only had, took one bite of an apple and God cast him into hell. What a God is that anyway? Yes, yes, exactly that. When you bite into an apple, say you you set uh, sin in no other respect, but you bite into an apple from which God said, "Don't you ever eat of it." God cast you into hell. That's sin. That's sin. And therefore, beloved, it isn't 
it isn't the fact that we we are sorry for sin or that we repent at all uh, that uh, uh, causes us to live. As I live, saith the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but they are in that eternal and live. That doesn't mean, oh, if the wicked only turns, then I'll forget all his sin, and I'll uh, simply uh, give him life. Oh, no, 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 no. That's impossible. How revealed, because, uh, beloved, you know you have here an everlasting love, first of all. That's all. This text, as I live, saith the Lord, I have no pleasure that the death of the wicked testifies of an everlasting love. Otherwise, that would never, never be possible. Of a love that can never be changed, unchangeable, sovereign. Of a love of a love that is so absolutely first, first, that no sin can ever change it. That's God's eternal love. God loved us first. God's love is sovereign. That first of all. God's love is not a love that is evoked by our love. Then he could never love us because we do not love him at all. God's love is sovereign, eternal. And because that is true, beloved, we see the revelation of the delight of the delight of God in the life of the wicked in the cross in Christ Jesus in his cross they have it and that only the cross is the basis of my text God can have delight in the life of the wicked that turns only because of the cross of Jesus Christ our Lord. Outside of that cross, everything is wrath and darkness. But through the cross, the light pierces our darkness. And that cross testifies, I delight in you, in the wicked that turns. For, beloved, in the cross of Jesus Christ, we do not have the cause of the love of God. It is not so that uh, God hates us, it is full of wrath against us, his church, and that now Christ comes and it changes that love of God into that hatred of God, into love of God. Oh no, it's just the other way below. Because God loved you, 
Because God loved you from before the foundation of the world, he sent his Son into the world. God is first, not Christ. He sent a Son into the world. And that Son he sent into our state, into our sin, into our iniquity. And that Son he had appointed from before the foundation of the world as the representative of all his elect. And as the representative of all his elect, that son plunged himself. What did I say? God, God plunged his son into deepest death and hell. And in that deepest death and hell, his son God atoned in Jesus Christ for all our sins and all our iniquities so that we are righteous before God forever. That's the basis of my text. Otherwise my text is impossible. And Christ having merited eternal righteousness for us. He merited everything for us. Everything. Complete salvation. He merited for us the grace of justification. He merited for us the grace of repentance. He merited for us the grace of regeneration, the grace of conversion, the grace of sanctification, the grace of perseverance unto the end. Christ merited everything for us in his cross, beloved. It's all merited by him. And he merited for us his Holy Spirit, so that by his Spirit he applies all those blessings are salvation to you and to me. That is the revelation of the delight of God in the death of the wicked. Look upon, look upon Christ and you shall never be ashamed. Look upon, look away from everything else and look upon the cross of Golgotha as the fount of all your salvation. And you can also hear the word of my text, beloved. As I live, saith the Lord, I have no delight in the death of the wicked, but therein that the wicked turn from his evil way and live. And then, you have also a basis for this word of, that comes to you. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil way, said the Lord. Why should ye die, O house of Israel? Don't you hear, beloved? I said in my sermon, doesn't make any difference what I say that. I cannot speak these words. 
Oh, I can speak them, but they are no use. Don't you see? I cannot say to you, uh, you turn from your evil way. You turn from, from your evil way. Turn ye, turn ye, turn you. I cannot say that. But beloved, in this morning, we have preaching of the word. Don't you see? Preaching of the word. And preaching of the word is not the same as speaking or reading anything from scripture. Speak, uh, preaching of the word is the ministry of the word that stands in the service of the word of God himself. Otherwise I, would, I wouldn't even preach. If, if I did not have the confidence, if I did not have the confidence that God would speak, God would speak, God will speak as efficacious word through me, that is, through the minister of the word, I wouldn't even preach. But he does. That's his promise. How can they preach except that they be sent? And therefore, I deliver this gospel unto you in the confidence that God will speak his own efficacious word to you through the preaching of the gospel. Also when I say, turn ye, turn ye, why should ye die, O house of Israel? Turn ye, from your evil way to the way of righteousness. Turn ye from all your sin and iniquity, from your malice and envy and corruption of your own nature, from your evil speaking, from, from your covetousness, from your greed, from all the sin that dwells in you and that reveals itself in you as people of God, as a house of Israel in the midst of the world. Turn ye, turn ye, why should ye die, O house of Israel? Ye, ye die, ye whom God makes alive, Ye in whose life God is delight, ye from Christ died, ye from Christ merited all the blessings of salvation, why should ye die? Why should ye even walk in the way of death? Turn ye! And then the assurance, the basis of the assurance of my whole text, as I live, said the Lord, as I live, God swears. There's no 
promised to say, I live forever. That's what you mean. I live forever. I'm not limited to your little life in time. I live from, I live from all eternity. I live in eternity. I live above time. As I live, said the Lord, so I love you. I love you. I love you as long as I live. I love you. I love you with a sovereign love, with an eternal love. I love you and revealed that love what that is expressed in this oath. As I live, said the Lord, I revealed that love in Christ Jesus in the cross and resurrection of my Son. I revealed that love. As I live, said the Lord. Look at Christ. As I live, said the Lord, eternally, so I love you eternally. And as I love you eternally, so I gave my Son to you and for you to take away all your sins. Beloved, that is gospel for the wicked. Like you and like me. With that gospel you can go home. Be sure that God never changes. That He loves you and that although your sins